Suvas Perk Aleph Mishnah Yud one ten. So in the previous two Mishnayas, the bottom line we said is that according to Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Eliezer, who the Halacha follows, if a woman has a tinus bari, if she's claiming with certainty she knows the identity of the person with whom she slept, if she slept with anyone at all, and she affirms bari with certainty that that relationship didn't render her unfit to marry a Kohen, they rule she may marry a Kohen, and that's the halacha. In truth, the halacha is a little more involved in as much as if she lives in a locale where the majority of people, in fact, would render her unfit to marry a Kohen. So then, la halacha, we, la from the outset, don't let her uh, marry a Kohen. But if she did marry a Kohen, then we don't force them to get divorced. But the point of those last two Mishnahs were that she is claiming something with certainty. Now, the point of this Mishnah here is what happens when a woman doesn't know with certainty, or maybe at all, the identity of the person with whom she slept. So now, do we let her marry a Kohen? Now, the way the simple understanding would be, and indeed the way the Mishnah reads on its face, is that like any kind of suffolk, any situation where there's uncertainty, we go after one of the main reasons, one of the main ways we decide things, and this will be the case over here, we go after what's called the rove, the majority. So since the question would be, oh, someone slept with this woman, is she unfit to marry a Cohen? We would say, listen, uh, are the majority of people in the, that locale the pe- kind of people who would render her unfit to marry a Cohen? If yes, then she can't marry a Cohen. If no, then she could marry a Cohen. However, because of, well, that's true, Midoraisa, Midorabanan, we added this extra layer. The rabbis added an extra layer of Malabuyuchsen. They raised the bar with respect to genealogy of people who are marrying into the Kohanic line. Um, we're especially concerned about keeping it pure. And therefore, the usual rule of simply going after Rove is insufficient, as the will come out later on in my explanation of the Mishnah. Okay, now, to really get to the... Fine, let me... Step one. Let's read the Mishnah as on its face value here. It says, Amr Biosi, Biosi says, Maisa, it once happened, Bitinokis shiyarda limlos maim min ha'ayan. There was a girl, Tinokis means a girl somewhere older than three years old, um, but not yet 12, that went down to fill up her bucket of water from the spring. Vine'ensa. And Ne'enasa means that she was, she was violated. A man raped her. And we do not know his identity. And the point of this Mishnah, conceptually, is she is not capable of saying with a certainty, with Bari, who that person was. This, in this case, because she was a child. But the same Allah would be true if we're talking about a woman who was blind or blindfolded or a mute, um, etc. If she can't claim with certainty who the, the identity of the person is, so that we're left now with just not knowing and having to go up to the usual the rules of unresolving a situation in uncertain situation, uncertain facts, with uncertain facts. And therefore, Amr Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri says, Im rov an shiha'ir masiyan lakahuna, if the majority of the men in that city are the kind of people who would not ruin her for marrying a Kohen, I'll explain more in a second, then harezu tinaseh lakahuna, then she may marry a Kohen, because we go after simply after rov, after the simple majority. That's the Mishnah says. The words masiyan lakahuna um, mean they cause people to be able to marry a Kohanim, which means these people, 
their wives, if they would die, would their wife be allowed to marry a Kohen after their death? Okay, that's the gist of it. So the point is, if you know, and the answer, if the answer is the majority of them are not Mamzerim and Nasinim and you know non-Jews, etc., so then this girl could marry a Kohen. End of Mishnah. Now the Gemara takes issue with the Mishnah as it's ex- explained on face value. The reason is because although that makes sense under the normal rules of how Sveikos uncertain situations are decided, you go after a rove. Um, however, um, because there's a rabbinic overlay which says that we have Malam and we want to um, raise the bar when it comes to the genealogy by the Kohanim, so a simple case of majority would not be good enough. Okay, so what is the case for Mishnah, which says it is good enough? So, <clears throat> to understand the, the case that the Mishnah describes as being with the backstory of, this, of our Mishnah here, this Misa, this particular happening, um, we have to just uh, clarify a little more on how Rove works. So, when we say Rove, the majority, what that means is, if we have an item from a set, and we don't know um, from which set it came, more correctly, we we know it came from a set, but we don't know if it's from the okay or not okay parts of the set, so then we go after the majority. Um, but that's true only if it's separated from the set, or in other words, it's randomized, or as the Chazal put it, called the parish, maruba parish. If something's been separated from the set, and you have an individual instance of it, so then we assume it came, its identity belongs to the majority of that set. So, for example... As we said before, you have three pieces. Of, you have a piece of meat in the town square, and you say, "Listen, the majority of the meat supply in the town is kosher, so we can assume it's kosher." That's how called the parish works. But it requires randomization. It requires that the meat had been like separated from somewhere. And when the question arises of the meat, we, it's not in its place anymore; just it's somewhere separated from its original place. If it's in its original place when the question arises, that's called kavua in its fixed place. So then, the rule is kol kavua kemechza al mechza damya, that it's just fifty-fifty. If it's in its place when the question arises, that's when the suffix is 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 born. So then we just say, listen, it's fifty-fifty. Maybe yes, maybe no. We don't care about statistics anymore. And that being the case, the, ru- the usual rules are: if you're talking about a suffix doraisa, you go lechumra. If it's a Torah issue, you'd be strict. And if it's a derabban and lekuli, you go leniently. And in the particular question here of a Kohen marrying people that certain people, so it's a Doraisa issue of a Zona and a Halala, etc. And therefore, you'd have to be strict. Now, let me just explain very briefly the rationale here between um, Kavua and and Parish. So when the question arises in its in its place or where it's separated from its original place. So the idea is, if I would tell you, I'm rolling, I'm flipping a coin. And or I'm rolling a die, and I ask you, listen, what's the chances that I'm going to get a six? So you would say, listen, the chances are one and six. It's just statistics. I flip a coin, what's the chance of getting ahead? It's 50-50. Fine, because it's randomized. If I would tell you, I have a, I have a die in my on my bedside table. What do you think the chances are that right now it's showing a six? So you can't, you ought not say it's one and six. Because who says that the die's been randomized? Who says I threw the die? Maybe the way I like to decorate my room is to have a die with the six showing on the on the bedside table. 
it's in its place. So the, the, you don't know that it has yet been randomized or not. Once it's um, been separated from the group, then you know the randomization is kicked in. So that, go back to go to meat for a second for the butcher's case. So if I bought a piece of meat in the store, and then afterwards I'm like, whoa, was that the kosher butcher or the trade butcher? So when the question was wrong, when I took that piece of meat, either it was the kosher one or not the kosher one. Maybe um, the kosher one don't smell as good, or maybe they, they have you know better signage than the non-kosher one. The, the point is, I bought it in a particular store. That that wasn't I wasn't I wasn't randomized. I didn't randomly choose one store. I went to this particular store. So since I bought meat there, maybe it was, and maybe it wasn't the kosher store. It's not statistics. Probability hasn't kicked in yet. Whereas if I there's a piece of meat lying around in the middle of the town square. So then it could have come from anywhere, and we have to assume that the majority of the meat supply is, let's say, kosher, so it's kosher, and vice versa. So that's the difference between kol kavua kemechtzal mechtzadamia. If the question arises with a thing in its place, so then it's just 50-50, we just don't know. Whereas if it's called a parash, maruba parash. If it's been separated from the group, then we assume it came from the majority of the elements in that, in that set. So, in the case over here in our Mishnah, a woman goes to the spring to fill up the water. Now, and some man goes and finds her there and has his way with her. So now, he, he's one person from the set of the hundred residents in the town, and he's parish, he's separated, he's, you know, could have been any of the hundred men, so we say go after a majority. That's true. And therefore, the rule should be that if the majority are kosher, then, then she's okay, and if the majority would be postal her, then she's not okay. And that's true, except and the rabbis were strict. Now, the reason why the rabbis were strict is because they were concerned. If we would say, listen, we go after the majority of the people of the residents of this town, and here we say, fine, the majority of the town are, are, are kosher, so she's kosher. The concern is that next time, you know, a year later, the same kind of question happens. We have a woman who went to some man's house, and she slept him there, and she doesn't know who the man was, and we think, okay, it's another, just like the previous case, the majority of the residents are kosher, she's kosher. But that's not true, because if she went to the man's house, that is a situation of kavua. He's in his place. He's not separated from his place. And therefore, we can't rely on the simplest probabilities. In other words, you know, maybe she just, she just, she, you know, she went to sleep with this particular man. Maybe she happens to like men that have foreign accents. And that being the case, you know, it's not randomized because it's the foreigners that have foreign accents and he's, you know, he was the, he was the non-Jew amongst them or whatever the story is. The point is, if she went to his house, it's not like she's taking, getting a random sample from the, a man from the random sample. She's taking one man as a sample of one and we don't know either he was or he wasn't. And therefore, the rabbi said, um, we're not going to be lenient in a case of a man attacking her at the well, even though there it's a case of called of parish, he's separated from the residents, he's out by the well, not at home, because the next time people will make a mistake and they will be lenient and we want to be strict when it comes to Yuchsin with genealogy and therefore we're afraid next time when it's a situation of Kavua, people might be lenient. Okay, so if that's the case, so then why does the Mishnah say she can rely on the majority and marry a Kohen if it's, a, if it's an acceptable majority? So the Gemara says the case is very specific of our Mishnah. This happened in the town of Tsipori on a market day. Tsipori an important Jewish city. Um, so the assumption here is that uh, in Tsipori, the majority of residents are Jewish and would not render her unfit to marry Cohen. Um, but on the market days, there's all sorts of, you know, the shayaros, the um, the caravans that people come, you know, every Monday and Thursday, people came to Tsipori, they had a Torah reading, they had based and open, and they had a market. 
Now, the assumption is that the people who are coming from out of town, those out of towners are also the majority, would not render unfit to marry a Cohen. Okay. But the situation, therefore, since we have two groups of people in town, we have the locals and we have the foreigners, the outsiders who are coming, the out of towners. Both the locals and the out of towners, both the majority of those groups, would not make her unfit to marry a Cohen. But the Gemara says that if someone now has their way with her at the well, so we have what's called Trey Ruby. We have two majorities. And it's the two majorities which tip the scale in the favor of this woman, this girl, I should say, being allowed to marry Cohen. So what does it mean, two majorities? Now, obviously, you, you if I just, you know, you know, um, say there's just half the group, half of the, the half the people in the town are foreigners and half of them are locals and the, the foreigners are okay and the locals are okay, that doesn't change the probabilities at all. So the majority of them shall be okay. It's to be a simple rove, simple majority. The difference of Trey Ruby is there's of two majorities is there's two different classes because while the locals, indeed, as we described before, but the out-of-towners, they are all... Parush. None of them are bimkomam. None of them are kavunam. None of them are in their place. And that being the case, if it would be a situation of just out of town, is the only part of the population, then we'd simply go after Rove, the majority, because there's no possibility of her having gone to one of their houses. None of them have houses here. They're all out of town. So therefore, the tr- the two majorities, if you will, the Trey Ruby, is first of all the majority of first of all there's there's two groups. There's either the out of towners and the foreigners, and um, that the 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 excuse me, the out of towners and the locals. The locals, the majority are okay, and of the other group, the the um, the out of towners and the majority is also okay. But while there's reason to be strict if it happened to be from the locals, and because it could have been kavua in one of their homes next time, there's no such thing as being um, of being kavua in their, one of their homes next time when it comes to the out of towners. So therefore, you sort of have two. Two bites of the apple. First of all, the majority of the locals are okay, and even though there's a reason to be concerned that what about Kavua for next time, the out of towners, the majority is also okay, and there is no there is no possibility of Kavua next time because there's no such thing as Kavua of being in their place when it comes to out of towners. So that being the case, says the Gemara, in our particular Mishnah, we're going to be lenient in that particular scenario and allow her to marry a Cohen. But therefore, when when the dust settles, now to summing up the Mishnah altogether, we're saying. If a woman can't make a tinus bari, she can't say for certain with whom she slept, for any reason. She's a minor, she's, she didn't see, she's uh, mute and can't give testimony, whatever the story is. So then we would, we don't just have, we can't rely on her word because she doesn't know. And therefore we would go after the majority, but only, not a simple majority. A simple majority would not be good enough because of Mala Biyuchsim was strict. It has to be this unusual scenario where we're talking about Either there's no one who's kavu in this scenario, there's no such thing as kavua, or that they're Trey Ruby, there's two there's two majorities, like I described before. But a simple majority wouldn't be good enough. We'd be strict with her, even though Midorai says it should be okay for her to marry anybody if the majority is okay. Mar- 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 Cohen if the majority of the residents are okay, but uh Midorabana were strict.